Welcome to the Call Your Shot Podcast, your weekly sports recap podcast where we break down the hottest headlines, dissect the latest injuries, and serve up our own hard-hitting analysis of the past week in sports. But that's not all. We're not just here to talk about the past. We're here to predict the future as well. On the Call Your Shot Podcast, we boldly predict the outcomes of the upcoming week's games. Moving on, as we mentioned, Joel Embiid is now out for the regular season. There's a chance that he comes back in the playoffs, but with all of the, you know, controversy going on with the 65 game minimum to get the MVP, he was kind of hovering above that. Then he kind of got hurt, tweaked his knee again. And he, for a lot of people are speculating that he heard the drama, heard the noise about everybody saying that he's not going to be available, going to miss the MVP and all that kind of stuff. So it did kind of seem like he kind of tried to push it and forced it. Played against the Warriors, ended up having a kind of a free play with Kaminga, I believe, ended up falling on his knee and ended up hyperextending it and ended up tearing something straining something not exactly sure what the injury was but he he did need surgery to repair it so now he is out for the regular season so thoughts on that do you believe that the requirement now has been a positive for the nba and what do you think about the 76ers going forward as i think last time we talked you thought that they could go all the way i mean no i mean you gotta bring it up now (laughs) it doesn't look too good right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't know who said that but uh um <laughs> yeah i mean uh at the time it seemed mm-hmm. like a very good prop- proposition mm-hmm. um currently that does not look like a very good proposition however mm-hmm. they do have a very solid team behind them which is good but not great without joel Embiid. um and i believe they have they they're like like 30 percent or something like that whenever they play without Joel Embiid on the court. Um, and ultimately, that's not going to win you anything if you're you know about 30% without your <laughs> star player. So I think, obviously, they they had to make that that uh, threshold for players to, to play, which I think is good that they did that because then, you know, you can't have people, yeah, I played, you know, 40 games this year and I dominated. And then you have somebody that played 65 games and also dominated, but the stats look a lot better with a smaller sample size mm-hmm. and, you know, you end up losing out like that. So I think it also, that's another element of MV, of an MVP award is the best avail- the best ability is availability. So mm-hmm. I think that's something you also have to factor in. And <laughs> if Joel Embiid is not available, then ultimately, you know, he's not really helping out your team. Now are you? So. Yeah, that's it's ironic too because I was going to bring up this next topic. So, uh, some there's been some very hot teams in the NBA this you know past few well since the start of the New Year's basically the Clippers and the Cavaliers have basically been the best teams in their respective conferences over the past uh, couple months. With the I think the Clippers are like eight and one or some or eighteen and like two or three or something like that, and the, and the Cavaliers were eighteen and two. But surprisingly, as we're talking about the Seventy Sixers, the 76ers beat the Cavaliers um, by two points and, you know, their leading score is a player that they ended up trading for um, at the trade deadline being Buddy Heald. The uh, 76ers acquired Buddy Heald from the uh, Pacers for Marcus Morris, Furkan Korkmaz, and two sec- three second round picks. So um, that was kind of a... I knew that was, I knew that was way too many points. I I had the uh, I had the 76ers. I was like... The, like well, what was the sure, Joel... 11, 11 and a half oh my gosh yeah. oh goodness <laughs> i was like that's that's, that's way too many points 
like there i get it you know it's it's the it's the uh red hot uh calves and stuff like that but yeah and the you know you have still in transition period with all their new additions they lost beverly and stuff so yeah and it was one of those things too where you you're buying on bad news and you're um selling the good news um of the cavaliers they had one they're basically i don't know it seemed like they won 100 games in a row um there and they and it wasn't like they were just you know, barely covering or any, they were blowing teams out <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and so for them to be 11 point favorites uh, to the, to the 76ers who, you know, I think Joel Embiid's worth about five points or so to the spread. Um, but, you know, when you count that in and then you add in the fact that, you know, Cavs are at home, whatever, two and a half points right there, it should have been around maybe like six or seven. Um, Eleven is absurd. Yeah, so, um, so big additions, or you know, big play from their key additions with Buddy Heald and campaign also, who also put fifteen off the bench. Also, side note, um, another factor too was the fact that uh, prior to this game, they also had played against the uh, the Cavs. That is, Cavs played against the uh, uh, Pistons on January thirty first. They were <laughs> eleven point home favorites against the Pistons. So you're telling me that there's only a two point difference between the Pistons and the 76ers. I think not, <laughs> not even close. So that's funny. So additionally, some other transactions that were made at the trade deadline, which was last Thursday, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies traded Xavier, or Xavier Tillman to the Boston Celtics for Lamar Stevens and a couple second rounders, which I think was a big pickup for a team that's basically already the, pretty much the best in the in the NBA. Um, I think that that provides some much needed size for them um, in the bench, especially with the unknown of Kristaps Porzingis, who you know has been playing pretty solidly and has been staying relatively healthy so far this season. But I think Xavier Tillman is a very nice addition and he was given Anthony Davis trouble <laughs> the last, uh, last playoffs and stuff like that. So I think he's a, I think that's a very good addition for them. Um, there's a whole, there's a few of them. So I'm going to name the, the main ones, but if you want to talk about any of them, just let me know. Mm. I mean, the, yeah. I go for it. It's all you, it's all you. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, ended up trading Trey Mann, Davis Bartons, uh to the Charlotte Hornets for Gordon Hayward. So now that's a pretty solid starting five for a team that was already good. Add some, you know, much needed mm-hmm. veteran presence, if you will, I guess, with Gordon Hayward, who, you know, is kind of a few years removed from his all-star time back in Utah. But he's still you know, solid, though. Yeah, that's yeah and, pretty solid. I mean... It's kind of, uh, I mean, the Hornets season is just uh, like, I mean, they weren't going to be really doing all that much anyways this year, but now they're mm-hmm. they're really not doing anything. You hear about the coach? Um, what do you say? The coach a couple weeks ago came out and said that it's not for a lack of trying on why we're losing games. We just don't have the talent, like literally, little like quote, um, like, I mean, you just called us. You just called his own team. Just we, we're just trash. Like, but you don't say that. Like, you don't say that publicly I mean, wrong, about your team. You know? <laughs> basically, like other than Lamelo, y'all are just garbage. I'm like, bro. Right. So I hear no lies. We have the Pistons ended up trading um, for 
Bojan Bogdanovic and the and Alec Burks. So the Knicks um ended up getting some nice shooting depth and Alec Burks is a former Nick already. But Bojan Bogdanovic, who was a very, you know, high commodity when it came to the trade deadline for a lot of teams. There are a lot of teams looking for him. He's a nice forward that uh, can shoot. So the Knicks, who's been playing very well this season, and I think has been probably one of the most underrated teams this year, um, adds some big pieces uh, in trades this year with Alec Burks, Boyan Bogdanovich, and OG Anagnobi, have we already talked about. So Julius Randle, who's been out once he fully gets back healthy, I think that's a pretty nice team right there. I don't know if they – I still don't think it gets them over the hump. I still think they're right around where the – Cavs and the, the heat and stuff like that but do you have any difference of opinions when it comes to that team up in new york niche um no no i mean they've been one of the hottest teams uh since the turn of the calendar year they're 16 and 5 uh since january started um and you know it's it's kind of crazy that they can add all these pieces and you know they have great talent you know one through five but at the end of the day, they're really just playing for second place <laughs> because Agreed. when it comes down to it and, you know, like, you know, Boston can lose all the games that they want to, you know, the bottom tier teams. But when push comes to shove and it's the playoffs, I'm still going to pick Boston over New York uh, nine times out of 10. Granted, if, you know, the Celtics get some injuries or whatever, and they have some bad luck with injuries, kind of like what's happening to the Knicks right now. Um, then, you know, then I'll, I'll reconsider that. But, and at this point in time, until the foreseeable future, it's going to be the Celtics or bust essentially. Um, but the interesting thing is, um, you know, since the start of the year, uh, 2024, the Knicks are eighth right now in offensive rating and third in defensive rating. And if I don't know if you remember this, when we were talking about this before in the month of December, I believe that they were like 29th or 30th in defensive rating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I mean, even just in that small turnaround, they like those couple acquisitions right there, while they might not make a huge difference in terms of the, like the future market and their overall projection and outlook on the season, definitely makes an impact on the defensive end um and you know it just kind of goes to show that um even though it's not necessarily moving the needle all that much it's a very good play in terms of um basketball dynamics and stuff facts i definitely agree and you know as we mentioned julius Randle has been battling with injury and then i can't is mitchell robinson out for the season or is he planning to coming back this year potentially i think he was out for the sure. season I'm not, I'm not sure, sure but I'm, I'm saying like if you could add him to this team, Isaiah Hartenstein has been very well for done, very good for them, and I think that I don't want to say he's better than Mitchell Robinson just because I think of the defensive force that Mitchell Robinson is and the offensive rebounder, but Isaiah Hartenstein has at least for the most part filled in better as a as a piece that they needed. A lot of the times, Mitchell Robinson. It's just why he complains a lot is kind of just standing there not getting the ball very much unless he is cleaning up on the boards or getting some blocks. But offensively, he's not that great of a weapon for them. So, I mean, it has been a nice change of pace with Hardenstein, who's filled in very well. Josh Hart's played great for them. Dante DiVincenzo acting like he's Steph Curry out here. Uh, he's averaging like 23 points over the past like 10 games, shooting like 40 plus percent from three. So he's been playing very well. Additionally, we had the Charlotte Hornets who traded PJ Washington. As we mentioned, the Charlotte Hornets are just cleaning shop out here. So unless your name is LaMelo Ball, you might be out of here. Um, 
P.J. Washington to the Dallas Mavericks for Grant Williams, who signed a pretty large contract with the Mavs in this offseason. And a lot of people thought that he was going to be a nice piece and role for them. But I guess chemistry-wise and fit-wise, he hasn't just really, you know, mixed in very well with Luka, with Kyrie, and with the Mavs organization. So now you get P.J. Washington, who I really like a lot. So Yeah, I mean, I really like that move for uh, the Mavericks because, you know, you have all these – uh, these injuries right now, but the majority of them are post players. So while you have all your offensive players that are coming back, Kyrie Irving's getting a little bit more healthy and, you know, you can shoot it with the best of them. Don't really matter if you can't get a damn rebound. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, PJ Washington down there uh, will be a great addition once, uh, was it lively? Um, once mm-hmm. he comes back and is healthy, um, help give him a couple rest breaks and stuff. And, uh, and maybe even compliment them and play side by side. I think that's a, it's an underrated solid move by the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. One thing I also forgot to mention about the Knicks as they were battling through injuries, OJ Adenobi had surgery to remove some loose bone fragment in his elbow, and he's supposed to miss at least three weeks. So he's supposed to be out for the Knicks for a while. So going to have to go without mm-hmm. him. Um, other than that, you did have the 76ers trading Patrick Beverly to the Bucks. So, um, him and Dame have had beef for going on almost a decade now. So it is kind of interesting for them to be together. And I think that, you know, adds some more defensive grit and energy to that team, which has struggled a lot with uh, Dame and stuff. I think at this point, you know, could argue that Patrick Beverly is kind of a little overrated defensively at this point. I think that, you know, in his prime, he was a great defender and he was an all NBA, all defensive team. But I think with that and with the, you know, rivalries that he's had with Russ, with Dame and Steph, he's kind of grown a bigger notoriety than necessarily his game is played, but you know, can't hurt as a bench player, but basically they basically replaced campaign with him. So. Yeah. And I mean, he's not really going to move the needle in Mm -hmm. terms of, uh, of you know defensive prowess or any kind of impact in the overall game maybe in different spurts of the game um he can be beneficial uh you know playing the pest role or whatever but Mm -hmm. in terms of you know the game as a whole you have when you have dame on the court he's going to be a liability on defense but he gives you a a boost on offense when you have patrick beverly on on the court uh he's going to be a liability on offense and he's going to, you know, help you out a little bit on defense. But if you try and, you know, put them both on the court together, then you have, you're, you're basically leaving yourself with two six foot tall players um, (laughs) trying to, and yeah, so that's, that's not going to work. Um, So I, you know, it, it's nice to, to have him though, um, as just a depth piece. If, you know, Dame needs, like a little rest break or whatever. And just, I mean, I, I could trust Patrick Beverly to not turn over the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd, you know, I'd rather have him than I think the uh, backup for the Blazers, his name's like Hagen or something like that. That man is trash. That, that dude. You thought you were talking about Scoot Henderson for a second. My bad. Um, All right. (laughs) I'm sorry. I get confused. I get confused. Uh, Okay. Side note though. I, the Trailblazers do have the most random name players that I've never seen in my life or heard of in my life. When I went to the game against the Suns, I swear, I, yeah, okay, I thought they got, no, I don't want to talk about it anymore. But that confused me. I was like, who are these people? I've never heard of them in my life. But um, 
lastly, the um, Charlotte Hornets basically agree. I think they, I don't even know how this is. Charlotte Hornets. Um, I'm confused on how this works. Kyle Lauer basically ended up on going to the Charlotte Hornets in a trade. Play there though. <laughs> yeah. Well, they agreed to a buyout, and now once he clears waivers, he's expected to sign with the 76ers. So that yeah. is uh, an addition for you. And uh, you know, I think that's about ten trades. The major trades that we've talked about through this deadline. One team that you did not hear that was involved in any of these trades was the Lakers, as they deemed that they did not think that it was worth. Um, you know, the amount or asking price that a lot of people had uh, talk about DeJounte Murray um, and other players um, from what they had wanted to give up or what they were willing to give up. They were willing to give up D'Lo, who's, you know, been on a very hot streak over the past month or two, but they were not willing to give up Austin Reeves, which is what basically the Hawks and other teams were requiring when it came to some of their star players. But one big trade that did happen or, you know, one, trade that happened as a result was the Raptors ended up trading Dennis Schroeder to and Thaddeus Young to the Nets for Spencer Dinwiddie, but then they ended up uh, agreeing on a buyout or releasing Dinwiddie, who has now signed with the Lakers. So even though they didn't make any trades, they picked up Spencer Dinwiddie basically for free, and now he's on a veteran minimum contract with $1.5 million for the Lakers. So, you know, if I ain't going to make any trades, I ain't, I ain't going to be mad at Spencer Dinwiddie. I ain't, I ain't going to be mad at that at all. I mean, it's a it's definitely a solid pickup for them, and uh um, I mean, <clears throat> it's it's free, essentially. Yeah. I think so. the Heat are tampering, first of all, <laughs> because be, no, 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 because we beat them in the bubble for the championship, and then we've traded for or picked up or signed or traded for two of their guards since then, and they have not played any games. We traded for Kendrick Nunn <laughs> a couple years ago; he ain't play a lick, and we traded for Gabe Vincent this year or picked up Gabe Vincent this year, and he, mm-hmm. you know. Just wears his outfits on the bench. That's it. So, yeah, he got some fly fits, though. You know. Yeah, but we've been <laughs> battling through injury a lot. We can't seem to get healthy. Cam Reddish is currently hurt. Vanderbilt's currently hurt. Uh, Rui Hachimura has been in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, AD and LeBron surprisingly knock would have been able to stay healthy for the majority of the season. But I think Spencer Dinwiddie, as you mentioned, you know, is some great offense off the bench, and he's shown you know with the Mavericks in the playoffs and stuff like that. If he gets it going, he can be uh, a Elite scoring from a, even though he's an undersized guard, but he can be a very good scorer at times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one uh, one other thing too here, I'm trying to filter out these these uh, minutes here. So in terms of players that have played at least 1500 minutes this season, um, in terms of on off uh, differential, Nikola Jokic is currently the highest rated player according to uh, cleaning the glass um and then you have Giannis that is right there at second and once take a guess at who number three is Scoot this is filtered by <laughs> yes actually um filtered by uh players that have played at least uh 1500 minutes uh I the, do not the third player is Contavious Caldwell Pope mm. So he is uh, giving you, or he is, I should say, adding about 17.1 uh, points to your, your offense there when he's on the court. We so. used to have him. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. And we traded, like, him, Kuzma, and, like, two first-rounders for Russ. So 
see how that see how that worked out. We Worth like it. to we like to try to brush that under the rug and stuff like that, but like the amount that we gave up for Russ. It's always been a weird situation too, because the Lakers have if you look at it, they've drafted a lot of good players that have developed into really great players. It's just a matter of when you play with LeBron you can't really have too many young players because LeBron don't got time to develop because he's trying to chase the goat. So, no, unfortunately. Um, also, remember when you were trying to convince me that Tori and Prince was good? Uh, everybody's good until they come to the Lakers and then that, that pressure and they forget how to shoot the ball. Same thing with Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley was like a sniper for the Timberwolves. Comes to the Lakers, forgets how to shoot the ball, goes to the Bucks, turns back into a sniper. That Lakers pressure is different. Well, I think it was like it was two nights ago or something like that. Uh, Malik Beasley was like one for thirteen from three or something crazy like that. But yeah, he's volatile over there. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so Torian Prince, your boy, you're you're all star. Um, yeah, he's, he's currently. <laughs> I like Rui. I think Rui has the – if Rui's on another team, I think he had a potential to be a, uh, that, but, yeah. So he is uh, he is in the fifth percentile when it comes to uh, differential. When it comes um, – he is negative 11.5 points. Uh, or he is giving you negative 11.5 points when he's on the court uh, in terms of on-off. So that means he's in the – 34th percentile when it comes to offensive rating. Uh, you're expecting negative 2.4 points every time that he's on the court. And when he is on defense, this is when he gets real ugly. He's in the first percentile. Um, and you expect to give up 9.1 points more uh, when he is on the court as opposed to when he is off the court. Mm-hmm. So that is your boy right there. And uh, Austin Reeves ain't much better. So, Austin, uh, it's up and down. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We are currently twenty six and twenty four. I think we're sitting at like ninth, eight or ninth in the the West. So we're firmly in that playing spot, even though we're only like one and a half games out of like the eleventh spot. Um, but it ain't looking too pretty. Now there's talk about, oh, you know, we didn't get the trade deadline, so now we're going to go after Trey Young or Donovan Mitchell in the offseason. We think we got the cap space to try to land one of these big stars to add like a three-headed monster and stuff. It's the same talk that you hear from the Lakers every single season. So um, whether or not that actually happens is yet to be determined, but I don't have too much confidence in that. But hopefully we can get things going. Get everybody healthy. Spencer Dinwiddie, give me like seven points a game. That's fine. Um <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that's all I got from the NBA. Uh, unless you got some more stuff running close to our mark. Yep. Uh, the only other thing I have is um, the same way we like to close out every podcast <laughs> with a little bit of <laughs> Scoot Henderson appreciation. All right. So uh, going back to um, well, he hasn't he got you know hurt again. So um, going on. <laughs> Going back to uh, February 4th is when the last game that he played in. And that was against Denver on a, uh, I think they're calling them like baseball series where like they play the same team back-to-back mm-hmm. games or whatever. So that was against Denver. The first game that they played against them, um, that was on the 2nd of February. My boy dropped 30 points. He had a 30-burger in that game. All right, he had five boards, two assists. He was 8 of 15 from the field three of seven from three-point line and 
he don't miss free throws. Actually, he missed one free throw. He was 11 for 12. But <laughs> okay, in terms of, of overall production, um, you know, he had a very solid game. Um, you know, his, his points per shot attempt uh, or his PSA, as they call it on call your, uh, on call your shot <laughs> on cleaning the glass, <laughs> was in the 79th percentile. Um, now, in terms of assists, we don't, we don't really need to talk about all that. He was in the 6th percentile on, on assists, but yeah. that's okay. That's okay. He, um, and then he uh, called up that performance with another 14 points, 8 rebounds, and 9 assists. He only had a triple-double. Granted, he was 3 of 16 in that game, but, you know, he almost had a triple-double. <laughs> so, so with turnovers or with missed shots or um he has okay. he has slowly but surely continued to improve even though he's battling through he seems a little injury prone at yeah. this point but um wow. he uh seems to be settling in a little bit more and adjusting more to the nba the only comparison that i can have not from a skill or game wise is anthony edwards who if a lot of people remember or not his like first half of his rookie season, he looked terrible. And I think that um, like efficiency wise and effect, like effectivity wise, he was literally the worst ranked player in the NBA. Um, but you know, it takes a while sometimes for, for rookies to adapt to the NBA. You do have certain players like a Victor or like a Chet who obviously was already in an NBA, you know, franchise for a year um, can be able to basically seamlessly transition, but you know, you have players like Scoot and others in the past that have trouble doing that. But once they, you know, dial in and adjust, then they can be very good. And a lot of people are saying that Scoot's kind of like a, a dame or not a dame, like a, a Russell Westbrook. Um, I can't tell with these playmaking, the turnovers. Yes. The, 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 you know, you know, field goal percentage. Yes. But you know, hopefully he steps up with the playmaking. He has at one point in time, he was third, you know, I think he was like plus 10,000 or a hundred thousand to be rookie of the year. He's fallen to sixth. Um, but you know, he's been hurt. So, you know, currently it's Victor Chet and Brandon Miller has risen up over these past month or two. He's been playing very well for the Charlotte Hornets as you know, other than Lamella ball, who's been dealing with a lot of injury has been their only bright spot. Um, so yeah. And then Jaime Hawkes for the heat has just been solid, a solid starter for them. But yeah, that's that's uh that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got as well. So yep, this has been the Call You Shot podcast. Everybody, thank you for listening with your host Alex Harrison, Drew Moore. As we mentioned, it's been a great football season. So all of you that did listen throughout the year, we appreciate it. So we are going to continue with basketball, and you know may transition uh, somewhere else. But if anything's happen in the off season when it comes to the NFL, we will keep you updated. Uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, we do have an Instagram, um, CYS pod, and that has the links to our YouTube and player picks. Um, so anything else, Drew? Beaver okay. Las Vegas. <laughs> okay. Beaver Las Vegas. Yep. That's all I got. All right. I'll catch well, you on the next one. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. Thank you.